I'm just so grateful uh, for the word. When I say we got to live, this is how we got to live. We live by trusting God. Say that with me. We live by trusting God. Right. We have to trust God for everything. All right. Everything. So I want to I want to move right along. We're doing a series on on the temple of God because we want you to know who you are in Christ. There's a lot of things that the Bible talks about uh, that that I'm going to use this morning, but we're going to give you we're going to give you the the, the spirit with the word. See, so you won't uh, take it wrongly. So we're going to go from 2 Corinthians chapter seven and verse one. That's going to be what we're going to uh, our focus on this morning. Second uh, Corinthians. We're going to show you how to do all this stuff. We're going to show you how to how to how to walk in the spirit and how to walk in love. And that's that's my whole concern. I teach you how to walk in the spirit. Teach you how to walk in love. Uh, teach you how to walk by faith. That that is what my job is. All right. Now, in Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse one, just one verse. It says, "Having now he's he already gave this was written. I'm going to show you when it was written. It was written to to the church of God, but but we're going to learn from it. But we have to get the revelation of it. Amen." Having therefore these promises. Now, when God used that term, having therefore these promises, we got to clarify that because, first of all, we have already received all our promises in Christ. Now, that's why you got to understand the word. So when he said, having therefore these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfected holiness in the sight of God. So this is what God said to the church of God through the Apostle Paul. Now, we can take the word of God. We have to understand that, that the book of Corinth was written to the church of God. We know that because that's what the first chapter. Let's go back and show you that in chapter 1. Uh, 2 Corinthians. Uh, when you read these two books, you will understand. that That's the greatest thing that you have to understand in the word of God. Uh, Let's go to verse number one, Second uh, Corinthians chapter one, verse one. So Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God. All right, that's what we want to wait. We want to wait till you get there. All right, Second Corinthians chapter one and verse one. All right, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints, and which are in all Achaia. So he said, the book is, see, the book itself is written as a letter to the church of God. But this same letter was also, also given to other churches. That's how they did it. They wrote a, wrote a letter uh, to the church of God, maybe at Corinth. They get that letter to Corinth. Then somebody at that church would make sure the next church get that letter. You understand how that works? All right. But the letter was written to the church at Corinth, which was the church of God. That's why you are here the language that you hear in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and he talked about the promises of God. I want you to understand this before I get any further what this means. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, you would hear him talks about the promises of God. So when he says, uh, uh, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, and then he'll go down and, and look at uh, the promises, and you will, you will see that all these promises uh, start in verse 17. You are the temple of a living God. And then it says, as God has said. I, I mean, how many can see that in verse 16? I will put that on the scripture. 
2 uh, Corinthians 6, 17. So what I'm saying is scripture, I'm going to put it on the screen so they can see the scripture. 2 Corinthians 6, 17. So when you see the scripture, you will know that whose God is talking to. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 17. When you get there, we'll show it to you. 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Do you see that as God has said? I mean, I'm, I'm just want to know, do you, do you see that? If, if you look at the Bible, the screen, how many can see it as God has said? All right. So in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, uh, as God has said. Now, I'm not going to go nowhere until you tell me you can see that. Amen. That's all I want to know. Do, do you see that as God has said? Just raise your hand. I can see that. Pastor. All right. Now, some of y'all just, I don't know what to say about you, but I'm going to move on. All right. So, but my point is, I want to make sure you see that because when you, that's the key to the whole verse. As God has said, wasn't talking to you. Because as God has said, if you go back in the word, on your, if you got a Bible, as God has said uh, in your Bible, what he would do, then you're able to see that God was talking to Israel. Somebody say, as God has said. Right. So when, when God already has said this, let's, let's show you this. Let's go back to Exodus 29, 45. See, I'm showing you how to study. If you pick up on things like that, Exodus chapter 29, verse 45, as God has said, that's the key to the verse. That's how you know he's not talking to you specifically. All right. But he's going to get a point over. All right. He said this to Israel, Exodus 29 and verse number 45, as God has said. That means God already said this to, to Israel. And that's in verse number 45. Now, I want to show it on the screen. Everything I'm saying, I want to show on the screen. It says in verse 45, and I will dwell among the children of Israel. How many see who he's talking to here now? All right. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and I will be their God. All right. So, so he says, I have already said this. Now, let's go back and look at verse 42. Same chapter, Exodus 29 and verse 42. I'm showing you how to study. See, if you follow me, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you how I come to my conclusion. So you just can't say it's for Israel. You have to prove that. As God has said, the key verse. Verse 42 says, this, this shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet you. All right? Why is he going to meet with them? To speak to them. So God met them at the tabernacle of the door of the congregation to speak to them. Then verse 43 says, There I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified. Somebody says sanctified. Right. And the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. Now, what does it mean that the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory? How many know what that means? What is God's glory? It's the Holy Spirit. How do God sanctify you? He sanctify you by the Holy Spirit. So if you understand, that's why I want you to understand. When God gave you the Holy Spirit, that's how he sanctify you. By giving you the Holy Spirit, sanctify means set apart for the use of God. So when you don't have the Holy Spirit, you, you are not sanctified. You can't do nothing to be sanctified. Not a new covenant. So when the Bible said, let us cleanse ourselves, you have to understand to them, there was certain things they had to do. To you, you got to make sure you're born the spirit. To you, you got to make sure you have the Holy Spirit. To you, there's some other thing you're going to have to put away from among you, of course. But to be sanctified, you got to have the Holy Spirit. 
It's the Holy Spirit that come inside of me and set me apart. You understand that? All right, that makes me holy. So that's what he says. That's why he says uh, in verse number four to five. Now he says, I'm sorry, verse four to four says, I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation. See, that's who we are now, the tabernacle, right? So he says, I will. All the promises was I will. I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation. I will sanctify the altar. I will sanctify Aaron and his son to minister to me in the priest's office. I will dwell among the children of Israel. I will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt that I may dwell among them. Why did I bring them out of the land of Egypt? That I may dwell among them for I am the Lord your God. So why did God deliver you? Why did he, why did he just leave you alone, left you in sin that you die? He brought you out to bring you in. But to be able to do it, he must give you his Holy Spirit. And when he do that, he's able to live in you, not just among us, but he also is in us. So that's how you get that. That's how I got that verse to know who is that talking to. All right. Uh, so let's do one more. Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 12. As God has said, Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 12. See, if you look at the word of God, God has already said it, but he didn't say it to us. He said it to the children of Israel. So that's how you know who he was talking to. Leviticus chapter number 26 and verse 12. All right. Got a lot of words for you today. Just want to make sure you understand. But that's, if you don't get me what I'm starting out, you'll miss the message. Leviticus 26, we're going to look at verse 11 and 12 on the screen. Leviticus 26, verse 11 and 12 on the screen. God is telling him what I will do. See, I'm saying this because you'll hear people say, God promised. Even today, you hear, that's what he promised us. That's what he promised. Listen, God has already fulfilled all his promises. So don't take the word of God like God going to do something because he promised. See, God, that's why Christ came. So you got to find out now, what has he done? Because he's already done. So I'm showing you the I will. If you go back and look at what God said, I will do, and you take that like what God promised, he'll do this. No, he's already fulfilled his promise. You just got to find out where it is. I'm just showing you old covenant where it says in verse 11, and I will set my tabernacle among you. And my soul shall not abhor you. I will make, I will walk among you. Once again, I will walk among you and I will be your God and you shall be my people. Remember, he called them what? My people. He doesn't call you his people. Who, who are you? You are his sons and daughters. You are his children. So when I go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, let's read it again, right? Because he gave them promises. These are the seven I wills of God. I don't know if you, you picked that up. These are what? The seven eye wheels of God. Or the perfect will of God. That's what the seven eye wheels of God stand for. This perfect will of God. So every time God said, I will, uh, I will. That's the same thing he said to Abraham. These are the seven blessings of favor, if you keep in notes. The seven eye wheels of God are what? The seven blessings of favor. All right, that's just for your notes. All right, now watch this again. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, let's show you the seven I wills. Verse number 16 says, For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, we're going to start off with the seven I wills. I'm going to show them to you. 
I will dwelling them. If you want to mark them in your Bible, just a little check. Some people don't like to write in their Bible, but buy another Bible, man. This way you're going to learn. I will dwell in them, number one. I will walk in them, number two. I will be their God, number three. They shall be my people, number four. Wherefore, come out from among them, be separate, saith the Lord of hosts, trust not the unclean thing. Number five, I will receive you. Number six, I will be a father to you. Number seven, you shall be my sons and daughters. How many got them? Seven I will. See, seven I will is seven, seven blessed of the favor that God has already given us in Christ. Now let's go to first, first Corinthians. First Corinthians, we're going to back up to chapter one. And we want to look at verse number First Corinthians, I'm looking at the wrong thing here. I get to that in a moment. I wanted to show you something while I was there. All right, but let's, the subject once again, to make sure you understand, on the temple of God, I didn't even give you that. That's what I just thought about. Keep the temple clean. I'll get that in a minute. I was looking for the promise. If you follow me, you know what I'm looking for. All right. Now, watch this. You say all the promises of God in Christ is amen. All right. Now, that's the scripture I'm looking for. But, but we're going to talk about keep the, keep the temple clean. All right. Now, we're going to show you something because uh, we know that we know this is the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it was to cleanse the temple. Say it with me. The ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ was to keep was to cleanse the temple right now our job is to keep it clean keep it clean all right so now that that's what he was saying really to the church you know christ has come now and sanctified us justified us see he's done all the work all we need to do is keep it clean that's what the same thing that happened with adam look at look at genesis three fifteen. Watch this. Genesis chapter 3. What I said, 315? I think I want 215. 215. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. And the Lord God took the man. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. First book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. Now, where did God put Christ? See, if you understand that, you understand who you are. What did he put, what did he put Adam? I just need y'all to just pull it out of me a little bit, okay? I know it's early, but I'm trying to get you somewhere. Where did he put Adam? He put him in the Garden of Eden. So that Garden of Eden was a type of the church, a type of us, where is Christ? Why is he in us? Watch this. He put the man in the garden to dress it and keep it. Now, I want you to give me that same verse I did. NLT. 
Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, while you're there. I'm, I'm going to take my Bible out. Thank you. It's 2 Corinthians one twenty. Okay. Thank you very much. Genesis chapter number 2 and verse 15 out of the NLT. We're going to get to my message out in a moment. And verse number 15. The Lord God placed a man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. So to keep it means to watch over it, right? In the King James, it says dress it and keep it. So the word keep it means to watch over it, right? All right. So we know it's God who watches over, over us. But we want to make sure that we, we get this garden understood Say we are God's garden. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, and, and Paul talked about that, didn't he? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. See, Paul talked about the garden. Let's go to verse 6. So you can understand Paul's ministry, why he had to preach the word. To preach the word means he had to put the seed in the garden. So you have to know what's going on. If you say, I'm a, I'm a pastor of a church, I'm preaching the word of God, what are you doing? Put the seat. You remember last week, I took some time and talked to you last week? And I talked to you about a mule, a donkey stuff. You, y'all remember some stuff? Right. But I told you that a pastor that's, that's sterile, remember I talk about the word sterile? And if a person, a person is sterile, he cannot, he cannot reproduce out of his kind, right? So I can preach to you, but I can never get you saved. Let, let me put it in a physical way. I can have sex with you, but I can never get you pregnant. I mean, can't y'all understand spiritual things? All right. All right. You gotta, if I give you a natural thing, it's so you can see spiritual things. So if I'm a pastor, what am I trying to get to, to happen in your life? I'm trying to get to see it in your heart, which is the ground, so you can bring forth the Christ, Right? But if I don't have the seed and the spirit of God in my life, which is God's grace on me, which is his ability. So you got to have the, the, the word of truth, the spirit of truth, but you also got to have God's grace on you, which is his ability to make it happen. If that's not, if that's not there, I still cannot impregnate you. I mean, you, you can feel good, but you'll never get pregnant. How many hear what I'm saying? And that's what happened when people go to churches all their life. They, they never get born in the spirit. Nothing wrong with them. The person here, number one, may not be preaching the gospel of Christ, because that's the only gospel that has the power of God and the salvation. Or he does not have the spirit of grace on his life. He does not have the spirit of truth and the spirit of the word in him. He doesn't have the revelation of the word. So he can't make it happen in your life. And churches are filled with people like that. All right, somebody said, not this church. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, let's look at now in verse 5. Start at verse 5, King James Version. We're going to tell you, Paul going to tell you who they are. Paul said, who, the, who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But we are ministers by whom you did what? Believe. Our job is to cause you to believe. When you believe, you receive the seed. I'm giving you a whole lot of word in this teaching if you just listen to it. When you believe, you receive the seed. See, you can, get, you can have sex with your wife all you want, but if she never received the seed, 
you never get her pregnant. That's why patience is a, it's a spirit you have to run with when you're married, if you want children. I'm helping you out. We're done. My wife and I, we're done. I'm trying to help you now. Amen. Trying to help you out now. But you got to have patience. If you're going to have children, Amen. you got to wait long enough for the seed to get to the egg before you are already in the bathroom wiping up. Help you, help you. Patience. You'll catch on when you hear this tape. You go, oh, that's been my problem all the time, man. I just, I'm in a hurry. That's your problem. All right, but enjoy the moment. All right. First Corinthians chapter number three and verse five said, Paul said, who is, who is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believe. That's our point. My job is to make sure you believe. Even as the Lord gave to every man. Paul said, I have planted. See, you see his ministry? I planted, but the, but the other ministers are doing what? My wife's going to minister probably next Sunday. Uh, I planted Paula's water. Now, what is she going to do? She's going to take what I've already ministered to you and come back and water it. That's, the, that's what the ministers of the church do. Take what I've already ministered to you. Go to the storehouse. Get a CD. Go and get it and minister it again. you now watering. You don't have another message. You don't carry the seed. The pastor has a seed. You have the water. Amen. Your job is to water the seed. See, Jesus didn't come with... Jesus came with water. How do you know that? Every time he ministers something, he says... As my father has said, my father has said to you, say I again, again I say to you. What is he doing? He watering what his father already said. If one person plant other water, then God will give the increase. You don't have your own message. You get that when you get to be a pastor. Let me put it this way. You get that when you get married, son. All right. I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. See how it works? Right. And then it says, so then, neither is he that planted anything or he that watered anything, but God to get the increase. If, if they, they just doing what they're supposed to do. Paul doing what he's supposed to do. Apollos doing what he's supposed to do. And then God give an increase. All right, watch what he said. Now he that planted and he that watered are one. Every man shall receive of his own reward according to his own labor. We labor together with God. We are labor together with God. We are labor together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. Now that word husbandry has to do with tillage. Some words have said tillage. Some words have said garden. Right there in verse number nine, you are God's garden. Verse number nine, let's look at it out of the Good news. Then we're going to look at, the, look at the same verse out of the NLT. You are God's garden. You are God's building. That's which one is going to say. If y'all got a Bible, you can already do it in your Bible. Let me know which one is in there. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. I want to see it out the NLT and out the good news. Which one said a garden? 
Just give me the screen if you got some. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 says, we are partners working together with God. You are God's field. That's one. You are God's God. That word field should be garden. Now, you use the word field after, after you had a garden and it was not worked on, then you got a field. Some of y'all don't know how you get a field. I'm from the country. You can start out with a garden. In Genesis, Genesis, we start out with a garden. Adam did not do his work, so we got a field. That's why you get the word world. The field is the world, Matthew 13. The temporary English version says garden. Right. They got it back there. We call it a temporary English version. Right. The temporary English version says the word garden. You're God's field. They, they'll find it. They can download everything she can do on the computer. They can do it back there too. You're God's God. The temporary English version says the word garden. See, that's what it's supposed to be. But, but we know that. So my, my point is to let you know who you are. Who are you? We are God's God. See, you are God's temple, but you're also God's God. Why? Because that's where God put the seed, right? All right. Once God put the seed in our heart, we become his God. And our job is to bring forth Christ. That's what happens in the God. Be fruitful, multiply, repent, earth, subdue, and have dominion. And that's what calls my job is to do when I put the seed, seed in your heart. All right. Now, with that in mind, we're going to go to uh, our message now. All right. I'm just going to give you a lot of things today. I got a lot of word for you today. All right. Uh, look at the word manage. Let me, let me, let me get that out of the word. I got my. Yeah, let's go to 2 Corinthians first, chapter 1. Uh, thank you, brother. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. When you get that word garden up there, you can show it to us. I'll, I'll appreciate it. Just want it for the screen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and uh, verse 20, we'll, we'll do that also. All the promises of God in Christ is yes, in Christ, amen, to the glory of God the Father. All right? So, so if, uh, give me what you got. I'm just waiting on what you got. Either, either or, if you don't have that, go to 2 Corinthians 1.20. So we have to understand that all the promises of God in Christ, you already got that because you're in Christ. Here we go. Read it with me. All the promises of God in Christ is what? Yes, in Christ, what? Amen to the glory of God by us. Say all the promises of God I already have. All the of God. Now don't, don't miss out on this now. This is all the promise of God. Don't just at least get this. Come on, say all the promise of God, all the of God is, in is in Christ. In Christ in me. In so that means you have all the promises of God, that right? Amen. All right. Now, since you have all the promises of God, then when I read 2 Corinthians chapter 7, you gotta know he's talking to the church of God, right? Because if I go back and read it again, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. Watch what it says, 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved. Now you know you already got these promises. But he's saying, having therefore these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the, in, in the fear of God. All right. Now he named all the promises, I will, I will, I will. 
I just named seven blessings of favor. Is that right? Right. But to, to, for, before they can get them, they had to cleanse themselves. How many hear what I just said? All right. Let me show you what they... Let me show you what they was talking about cleansing themselves from. Go to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. Go to go Galatia, Galatia. You just go past Roman, I mean Corinth, Galatia, 2 Corinthians, Galatia 5. Watch what they had to cleanse themselves from. From here we're going to go to the Gospel of St. Matthew chapter number 15, verse 8 through 20. You're keeping notes with me there. And after that, write down the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verse 13 through 22. Write those things down for me. First of all, Matthew, chapter number 15, verse 8 through 20. Then John, chapter 2, verse 13 through 22, in that order. We are now going to Galatians, chapter 5, and verse 16. So Paul told us how to get around these things of the flesh. How to get past those things of the flesh. See, we know we got the flesh to deal with. I'm going to show you this. One of the greatest things I'm going to show you today that people uh, don't understand the word sin and flesh. I want to get to that today. There's a difference between sin and the works of the flesh. Most people take the works of the flesh and call it sin. It's not. I'm going to show you that in the word. All right, Galatians chapter number five and verse 16. This I say, walk in the spirit. Say it with me, walk in the spirit. Right. See, when you walk in the spirit, the lust of the flesh can't work. The only way flesh can work, you're not walking in the spirit. All right. So he says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the thing that you would. And we know what you, what you would is to get down and bring forth that fruit. All right. Then he's going to tell you. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Then he's going to go to verse 19. The works of the flesh. See, people will, will read the Bible and say, no, that's still sin. No, it's not. And when I get to that, I'm going to show you, you got to understand, to be born of the Spirit, let me say this here. I'm going to eventually get to Romans 8. But to be born of the Spirit means God took you out of the flesh and put you in the Spirit. Say that with me. To be born of the Spirit, born of the spirit. means... God took me out of the flesh and put me in the spirit. See, I'm not in the flesh anymore. See, I'm dead to the flesh. That means I'm dead to sin. Come on, just say what I, I'm not going to lie to you. See, if I'm dead to the flesh, I'm dead to sin. Right, so you got to understand, where is sin? In the flesh. So the way God got you delivered from sin, he delivered you from the flesh. He puts your soul in Christ. So your soul don't live in the flesh no more. Your, if your soul live in the flesh, your soul live in sin. So that's why a person does not say where they, whether their soul live. In the flesh. 
See, that's what you got to understand. If a person is not born in the spirit, his soul or her soul is still in the flesh. You, you, if you're born again, your soul is in the spirit. And the only way you're going to know is you will see, if your soul is in the flesh, you will see the works. Are y'all listening to me? Now, I know those people out there listen to me out there. We have more people listening out there than we have listening here. That's why I don't want you to miss it. If you're in the flesh, you are still in sin. And the only way God can get you out of sin, he had to put you in Christ. When God puts you in Christ, he delivers you from the flesh, he delivers you from sin, he delivers you from death, he delivers you from hell, he delivers you from everything evil. Because he puts you in Christ. See, this is not a game. You got to know if you have the spirit of Christ or you have the spirit. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, let me put it that way. It's, it's the way it, you know this by what you lust for. When I get the Roman, he's he going to use the term. When you mind the things. What is your mind on all the time? Is your mind on the things of the flesh or your mind on the things of the spirit? That's how you know. We'll go to Rome. Put Romans down there and we'll start verse 1 to 10. That's going to be the third thing we're going to do. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 10. I gave you three, two things. We'll go to Romans also. All right, so let's go back to Galatians chapter 5, verse number 19. Now, the works of the flesh. This is what Paul calls them, the works of the flesh. See, when you get into faith, you don't have works. Not your works. The work is already finished. Christ, your faith with Christ works. Not your works. And love is not a work. Love is a fruit. All right. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. So those fruit of the spirit down there, they're not works. They're given to you by the Holy Spirit, and they, they operate in your life when, you, when your spirit is in rest. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveling. And then he says, if I miss some, and search like. So all that's the work of the flesh. Now watch what it keeps you from doing. Now he wasn't really talking to us, but I'm, I'm going to show you this. He says, of which I tell you before, I've already told you. Now, if he said, I've already told you, that has to be somewhere else. And I'm going to go back to 2 Corinthians 7, where he already told you. I'm going to show you 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse uh, 51, right in there. 51, 52, where he already told him. What did, what did he tell him? Watch this. As I have already told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit Inherit. Inherit is the key. They sh you should not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's go back and look at 2 Corinthians 7. What did he tell you? What did he say to them? Having therefore these promises. Shall not inherit. How many is picking it up? If you got promises, 
How can the promises work? To these people, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved. How many of you can see what I'm saying yet? I just say they won't, they won't inherit. The word inherit, it has to do with getting what the seven blessed the favor. Everything that God said he would do in your life. These people, having therefore these promises, therefore, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh, what I just named you in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through verse 19. Those things they allow in their lives were keeping them from their inheritance. How many hear what I'm saying? Okay. So let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now let's do those things I gave you. I gave you three sets of scripture. Matthew, 15. Matthew I gave you Matthew. What else did I gave you before? I gave you something before Matthew. I gave you three things. I gave you three things in order. I gave you Matthew 15, John chapter 2, Romans 8. Romans 8. That's all you're supposed to have in your notes. Yeah, you're supposed to have three things. All right, Matthew 15. All right. Matthew chapter 15. Now watch what he's talking about. See, Jesus taught this already. So when he's talking about you are the garden of God, what is he talking about? What part of you is a garden? Then he says, you are the temple of God. What part of you is the temple? So he's giving you all of this to let you know what's going on. Now you're going to come back to Matthew because he's like, Jesus already taught this. So I got to understand my ministry. What, what am I getting done in you? What am I trying to get done in you? Matthew chapter number 15 verse 8. Are you there? Watch what Jesus says. Oh, I mean 14. 15 verse 8, right? He said, this people draw nigh to me with their mouths and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So what really is Jesus going to talk it on? The heart. Because that's where he looks. You remember the old covenant? God looking out now with the pins. God looks at the the heart. That's what he want to know. He want to know where your heart is. So you can tell the Lord, I love you, I love you, I love you, but look at your heart. Matthew chapter 15. Then he says in verse number nine, but in vain they do worship me. Now it's an awesome thing to do all this and it's in vain. But in vain they do worship me. Watch this. Teaching for doctrine the commandment of men. And he called the multitude and said to them, hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defiles a man. Remember I told you about if you allow these things in your life, you will defile the temple. How many? How many? All right, let's go show you that first. Again, don't have too many. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Do 16 and 17 together. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17 together. Now mark it in your Bible because he's talking about defiling the temple. So you have to understand what God would do to those that defile the temple. The word defile means to destroy. 1 Corinthians. What does it mean to destroy? 
What does it mean to defile? See, your temple is your soul. It's your mind. That's why you can't let nobody else in your mind. Your mind is for Christ. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ. The devil wants your mind. He wants you to, he wants you to be here, but your mind somewhere else. That's how it is. He wants your heart. He doesn't care about you coming to church as long as he got your heart. He wants your spirit, the small s. First, we're in, we're in uh, Matthew chapter 15. Where am I? Oh, you got to do that first, right? No, you're not. That you are the temple of God. Look at somebody and say, are you the temple of God? The spirit of God lives in you. Do you, do you know that? Do you know that the God of all creation lives right here? My God. How real does it get? Paul said, do you know you're the temple of God? Do you know God lives in you? I told you last week, heaven is God's dwelling place. See, I'm not done with that. So if God lives in you, then guess where heaven is? Some of y'all still like, you got to be up there somewhere. If heaven is God's dwelling place, and God lives in us, then where is heaven? Isn't that something? In all these years, you've been saying when somebody died, guess what they did? They went to heaven. When you ought to be, make sure right now, before you die, you got to make sure your residence is heaven already. Because if you, if you don't, you're going you're gonna to be a condemned building. How many know nobody lives in a condemned building? Some of y'all ain't catch on yet. You go down the street, you see a building that says condemn, they'll give you a ticket every catch you living in there. Amen. A condemned building is not safe for nobody to live in. So how do you expect God to live inside of you if your building has been stamped condemned? That's why Romans 8 1 said they are therefore now. Because if, if, if Christ is not in you, your building is condemned. It's not a game. See, people want religion. They don't want the word they want religion. I don't have none. God delivered me from religion, traditional men. Matthew chapter 12, that's where I'm now. No, no, I didn't get to the fire of the temple. John, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 17. But if any man defile the temple of God, this ain't no game. What I'm showing you is how do you defile the temple? That's why I'm in Matthew. So you whispering God with your mouth. Your heart ain't in this. That's just like being in the bed with your husband and your mind somewhere else. Or being in the bed with your wife and your mind on another woman. Your heart is not there. And God does not look at your physical being. He looks at your heart. 
If any man defile the temple of God, him God shall destroy. Because the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So when you got God living here, let's see how you can defile the temple. Matthew chapter number 15. Matthew chapter 15. Verse, verse 9 says, In vain they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandment of men. And he called them unto two and said to them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the man defile the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth. That's what defiles the man. What comes out your mouth? What comes out your mouth? Why is that so important? which comes out the mouth. Then came the disciples and said to him again, did you know that the Pharisee was offended after they heard these sayings? But he answered and says, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted going to be rooted up and cast into the fire. That's in another place. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. If the blind lead the blind, they're going to both fall into the ditch. And now you're going to get to the revelation of this mystery. Then answered Peter and said to him, declare to us the parable. What were you meaning when you was telling us the other day about what defiles a man? And if any man defiles the temple of God, God will destroy. Who, who doing this, Lord? Jesus, are you yet without understanding? Verse 17, do you not yet understand that whatsoever any in the mouth goes into the belly and is cast into the drought. But those things which proceeded out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile the man. What's coming out of your mouth comes out your heart and it defiles the man. See, when a person do these things in Galatia. It's not what they do physically, it's why they do that. So God letting them know when you commit adultery and fornication, it's not just an act, it's really what's in your heart. Because when you got born of the Spirit, God delivered you from the lust of the flesh, from the lust of the eyes, and from the pride of life. See, that's what happens when you get born of the Spirit. He gives you a new nature. He delivered us from the lust of the flesh. So you got to ask yourself, what is my mind always on? We're going to get that when we get the Romans. Let's, let, let's finish this one. Watch what he says. In verse 18, those things which seated out of the mouth come from the heart. They defile the man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts. That's what he at. See, what you got to understand, when you commit adultery, you're giving birth to what's already in the heart. See, it's already in the heart. Your flesh is just playing it out. Your flesh got the ability to produce what's in your heart. People don't understand how, how powerful this is. If adultery is not in me, I can't commit it. 
If fornication is not in my heart, I can't commit it. See, sometimes I hear people say, oh my God, I curse, I shouldn't have said that. You said that because that was, was in the heart. You got to get it out. You got to get it out. If you don't get it out, it'll expose you. So you got to get cursed out of your mouth because if you wait till you get in front of your greatest friends and all of a sudden that thing will come out. It was already in there. That's why you ought to get around the house sometimes. That's happened to David. There was a man came to David and cursed David out. David said, let him curse. Don't stop him. Because if he cursed me out like that, that means God has a blessing for me. Let him curse. Let him get it out. And that's what you got to do. If you got stuff in you, you got to get it out. The greatest thing that I have understood in ministry is the word counsel. You got to get words out of you if they're in you. Words are containers waiting to be revealed. Words are containers. They are little small containers filled with good or evil. Waiting to be born. You're made like God. You can reproduce with your own words. So you got to get this stuff out your heart. If you got fornication in your heart, you can manifest in your natural life. You can't manifest in your natural life what's not already in your heart. See, so many people think they say they're not saved. You understand? Look at your life. Look what you're producing. That's Matthew chapter 13. You need to read that, the wheat details. What are you producing in your life? What are you saying? Good or evil? Matthew chapter 15. And verse 19 says, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murderers, adulterers, fornication, death, false witnesses, blasphemy. See, all these things I told you about in Galatians, that's what Paul was talking But Jesus already told you, they're already in the heart. These are the things which, which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. So you can't, see, when you look at just like, oh, man. Oh, man, look at those things that I did. That's why Paul talked about in Romans chapter 7. Every time he said he would not do, he found himself doing. Why? Because they were already in his heart. So that's why you got to understand evil communication. That's why God said come out from among them. Because evil communication, look at 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Evil communication corrupt good manners. Those things get in your heart because of the company you keep. You want to be around people who let it all hang out and then you want to, you're a married woman. You know you can't be around them. And then all of a sudden you let it all hang out. First Corinthians chapter 15. See, that's all he's telling you. Evil, com evil communication. First Corinthians 15, 33. If any man... Are, I'm sorry. First Corinthians 15, 33. Be not deceived. There it is. Evil communications. Corrupt good manners. Can you give me that out the NLT? Isn't that something? Evil communication. Living and around people you don't need to be around. Listening to movies you don't need to listen to. 
That man get ready to kiss that woman, you fall off that seat. Because you, you think it's you. That's evil communication. It's corrupting your good manners. You don't, need to, you don't need to do that. Well, you think all this stuff coming forth in the world today when you see people lusting for all of this evil stuff they want to do. They watch it on television. Evil communication. What does it say? Watch this. Be not fooled by these who say such things are bad company. Bad company. Bad company. Corrupt good character. Bad company. Y'all might want to hold your head up. I'm not halfway done. Come on, bad company. Come on, say bad company. You know what bad company? There's some people just not good for you. They're not rejoicing in a married life and you're hanging with them. For long, you'll be doing what they're doing. I know. That's how I got there. I said I would never do that. I went through high school and college. I said, no way. Got hired at Pontiac. More than two guys come. I had to work with every day. That's why my, when I started my journey with Christ, they bet it. They bet it on me. They bet. Bet. He is coming back. I looked at both of them. I said, this is what I thought about. You got me into some mess by being with you, but I would never be back. Oh, no. Evil communication with corrupt good manners. You cannot hang with people who do wrong and think you're not going to do wrong. You can say, oh, I'll never get high. Hang with folk, get high. Before long, you'll be buying your own. You'll be walking around your own little stuff. <sighs> Said I wasn't. Bad company, boy. Let me give you, let me, okay, I got to get these others out of the way because I got to deal with the word manager. Come on, give it to me as I gave it to you now. The Gospel of John chapter 2. The Gospel of John chapter 2. I'm going to give you John 2, then I'm going to have to do the manager because I got to get that in for today. John chapter 2. What verse am I at? 13. Let's start verse 13. John chapter 2. Now this is the first thing Jesus did after the wedding. John chapter 1, he, he did the wedding. Marriage at the Cana of Galilee. It was just like he just got married. And the first thing he's going to do after the wedding is cleanse the temple. You think that was just a... John chapter 2, verse 13, and the Jews' Passover was, was at hand. Jesus went to Jerusalem. He found in the temple, went straight to the temple. What did he find in the temple? Those that sold oxen, sold doves, and the changes of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge, a small cord, he drove them out of the temple. And the sheep and the oxen, he poured out the changes of money and overthrew the table. What was he raising about? When he went to his temple and saw his temple defiled, people were doing everything of their own personal value in his temple. Made him hot, didn't it? You think it make him hot today? 
And the Bible said, he said to them that sold the dove, take these things out of here. Make not my father's house a house of merchandise. What do you think he was doing? He was cleansing the temple, wasn't he? That's what we don't understand, that we are the very temple of God. You can't do what you other folks do no more. It's just like I got married to my wife. I can't be with the boys now. Earl, can you come out and be with us? I can't go with y'all now. See, I made a commitment to her. And that's why so many people get in trouble. They, they want to be married, but they want to hang with the girls. They want to get married, they want to hang with the boys. It ain't going to work. You're going to lose somebody. Oh, Jesus. Get them old songs, get like they came up with them old songs like came up. Like they came up. It was just, it was right there on the tip. If you should lose. It like they came out, you know. John chapter 12. See, I used to, I used to supply all of the music in the club, clubhouse. So I had it bad. Verse 16. Jesus said to them that sold the dove, take these things out of here. Make not my father's house a house of merchandise. His disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of your house has eaten you up. The things you allow in your house is what destroys you. Let me say it again. The things you are allowing in your life is destroying you. See, I saw that. I saw that. I, I could have stayed with the boys. I could have stayed doing the thing. I was grown. I'm grown. I can do what I want to do. I'm a grown man. You know, people say that. I'm a grown. I'm grown now. But if you don't, if you don't manage, let me get to that word in a minute. The zeal of your house has eaten me up. Then answered the Jews and said to him, what sign? I'm not going there. He said to the Jew, destroy this temple. In three days, I would raise it up. I'm not teaching that right now. Go to the word manage. Put down the word manage. The word manage. We're going to look at the word manage. We're going to look at the word manager. Number one word for the word manage. <laughs> the word manage. Because that's what you're supposed to be doing. Means to succeed. Despite difficulties. Regardless of how hard it gets. The word manage means to succeed. Despite difficulties. The word manage means to be in control. And I'm going to say this to you. If you are not in control of your life, somebody will control you. There are so many people, they are not leaders, they follow us. To be a leader is to be a manager. You are not easily controlled. See, to be controlled means 
to be sold somebody else's vision. God Almighty, I should come down here and teach this. See, that's why we stop reading in this church daily bread. We keep telling you, don't bring no daily bread in here. That's another man's vision. We used to have them little books called daily bread. Oh, we got some daily bread. You don't bring no daily bread in this church. We used to buy them also. We used to buy them, give them out to the people. It's another man's vision. That's why we start doing our own vision in our children's churches. We used to buy Christian literature books and give them to our children. We used to do all that. That's why we used to have Sunday school. That's why we don't have it now. It's another man's vision. Now, why we don't have Sunday school like everybody else? We do we go with. Just call me, would you? Just call me. <laughs> to manage means to succeed despite difficulties. To be in control. To have everything under control. That's what it means to manage. Now, if I go home with you right now and you walk me through your house and you walk me through your, your room and let me go to your room, you're asking God for your house. Oh, God, I'm believing you for a house. Some of you believe in God for a bigger house. God said, well, let me see the house you got. You ready for a house? Let me see your room. Because if you can't manage one room, one room, you want a whole house. Then I want one with four basement. Walk out. If you don't manage, somebody gonna walk in and walk you out. <laughs> you gotta be able to manage. We want God to give us that. I see that car. Oh my God, I want that car. How, are you gonna manage it? Are you gonna control that? You remember the day you asked God for a husband? You ask God for responsibility. How well are you managing it? You want a wife? How well are you managing? See, that's all, that's what this stuff is about, being a good manager. Can you manage a wife? Then all of a sudden, I want some children. Oh, wait a minute. You ain't even managing a wife. Now you want some children to go with this mess. How many see what I'm saying? See, you want, you want God to give you. God don't mind about giving you. God will give you anything you can manage. Look at somebody and tell God will give you anything you can manage. Tell somebody, God will give you anything you can Whatever it is, if you can manage it, it don't make no difference if you can manage it. Why do you think God give up this church? You don't come in here and find this dirty. We had a brother this week, Brother Charlie, thank God for him, came in here to make sure he got a vacuum cleaner and went on every seat, <laughs> every chair, every ounce of this baby in here. Make sure the church clean for you today. We don't play around in here. God will give you whatever you can manage. So don't ask God for something you can't pay for what you got already. You behind on everything you got right now. I want one of them, them cars like she got. That, that, that. 
I want that car right there. You ain't paying for the one you got. How many hear what I'm saying? God don't mind by giving you what you need. Can you manage it? Can you pay for it? Can you take care of it? You should be riding around with a brand new car. Half, 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 all, been all. Get the thing washed or something. Go get some air in it. Heard a man say this. He showed this commercial about the, the Rose Royal commercial. It's a Rose Royal commercial. This thing was so long, Rolls Royce, about from here to the end of that seat. And the guy says, if you have to ask how much gas is, you don't need to be looking at this. So you don't need to be over there trying to buy a Rolls Royce. You can't even manage a Volkswagen. And I'm not trying to put down a Volkswagen. To manage mean to have everything under control to influence positively. To manage mean to do what? To influence positively. And the last word for manage is to take charge. We'll pick it up right there the next service. So if I'm going to manage something, I'm going to do what? I'm taking charge. I'm in charge of this. Wonder why God gave my brother the head man in Amazon sits right there. You want to know the man who runs the how to take care of the whole building of Amazon? He's sitting right there. Wonder why he gave him that job? Because he can manage. He can manage. The man saw he was a good manager. He has his own business. He didn't just start out right there. He got other folk working for him doing the same thing. Am I lying? Doing the same thing he's doing, but he learned how to manage because he had it on. He managed it so well, God said, you know what? I'm going to give you the whole Amazon. You see that building over there, Amazon? That's the manager right there. Plus, he also is a coach. A wrestling coach in the Pontiac school system. That's the man right there. His two sons on each side of them, they're also champions. Amen. See, that's what I'm talking about. God don't care how much he gives you to manage. Can you manage it? This man got his own company, brother. That's a brother Yancey. Brother Yancey right there. You ever see him and his wife picture? That's a both of y'all. They, they picture on their truck. You ever see they picture on their truck? Got their own company. They'll come clean your car for you. Come, they manage it. Got their own company now. You don't keep your car clean? Call brother Yancey. He'll clean your car and have it shining up, bring it back to you the same day. Man right there. Come on, clap your hand. Get on your feet. Come on, thank God that we're going we to do better. Come on, we clap, come on, tell me clap your hand. God don't care. You can't tell him how old you are. I got a sister sitting right over there, brother and sister Farron. Wave your hand over there. See him over there? God gave me their own home. Got their own, both of them got their own car. Got their own house. Come on, I've been married two years. See, God, God will do it for you, but you got to learn how to do what? Got to keep it. Got to manage it. 
God don't mind. Let's go to this camera in front of me. We're gonna go to we're gonna go to the we go to one in front of me. First Corinthians chapter 15. God told us that Christ died for our sins. We're gonna get in the next service. We're gonna show it to you. It's a different sins and the work of the flesh. Two different things. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and God raised him again from the dead. So you got to understand something. Your sin condition, it's already paid for. That's not the problem here. You got to learn how to manage your house. Manage. Become the manager God wants you to become. The Bible said no good thing will God withhold from them that walk upright. Be the manager God wants you to be. Remember to receive Christ into your heart. He will change your life forever. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and God raised him from the dead. And the door of faith is open unto you. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.